A quick note before we get started. This episode is part of a series of shows we recorded on the floor of the Phoenix Convention Center during the Association of Corporate Counsel's 2019 annual meeting. I wanted to point that out in case you're curious about the background noises. I also wanted to thank the ACC for helping make these episodes possible. Now, on with the show. Welcome, everyone, to In-House Roundhouse, where in-house lawyers, outside counsel, and industry experts gather around to discuss current issues and best practices. I'm your host, Mark Enriquez, a commercial litigator with Womble Bond Dickinson. With me is my producer, Brian Ewing. And sitting down with us today is Kay Cyrus. Kay is Director of Legal and Compliance with the Burgess Group. They're an insuratech company based in Alexandria, Virginia. Kay, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Um, Kay has joined us to share some insights and tips on a struggle on a topic we all struggle with, which is time management. Before we dive into that topic, though, Kay, can you give our listeners a little bit of your background and a little tell us a little bit about the Burgess Group as well? So I have an interesting story about how I got to be where I am today. I went to college kind of not knowing what I wanted to do, kind of wanted to go to law school, wasn't really sure. Um, took a break between college and law school. And then when I finally did graduate from law school, I worked in publishing. I've worked in finance. I've worked in <laughs> IT consulting. Uh, I oh, worked wow. at a, a consulting boutique startup um, for like five years. And that was kind of cool and interesting and exploring, uh, you know, problems or issues that clients had and how do we fix that for them. And then after a couple years in consulting, I decided that being the salesperson while I love my job, but when you're in the leadership at a consulting company, you're expected to like sell and feed your team and all of that stuff. And I kind of realized that that was not my strength. Yeah. So I decided to go back to what I know. I mean, at the consulting firm, I was doing you know legal stuff, but it wasn't. It was all about building the team and stepping in wherever anyone. You wear lots and lots of hats, right? So left that after five years and went back to what I know my strength, which is the law. And so at the Burgess Group, I'm counsel and director of legal and compliance. And the company is IT software, and we help health plans price their claims. And the company has been built over 22 years by Greg Burgess, who every day surprises me with something else <laughs> that I never really thought I needed to know uh, <laughs> about healthcare and how claims are processed. And it's an awesome team of people. Everyone there is super smart super always thinking outside the box how can we solve the problem for the customer and it makes me excited to go in there they're I mean a great team of people and that's what you know that's what makes them awesome Greg thinks of what does the customer need and how can I fix it for them that's great no that, that that's interesting and is there anybody else in the legal department or just you it's just me I am currently interviewing for a contracts manager actually this week we're hoping to make decisions and right. we just hired a compliance manager who starts in a couple weeks so I mean it's the beauty of the fact that like I'm the first counsel at the company um, building a, a legal department and um, the brilliance of the people at our company allows us to you know grow and then hire new people to who I think um, our new compliance manager is going to be brilliant, and the candidates so far that we're interviewing for the contracts manager so far seem to be brilliant, and I can't wait for them to join the team and you know become like another brilliant part of who we are at Burgess. 
That's great. And will that, I know compliance is currently part of your job title, will that change with the compliance manager? Will you will you no. be able to get rid of any of that compliance? No, unfortunately, I, I'm in my role at Burgess. I am the compliance officer, the privacy officer, and, and counsel. Oh, wow. So you're all of those. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm hiring a compliance manager so that I can actually be more strategic about compliance instead of trying to always be the one writing the policies. I work with um, our CISO on the um, information security compliance piece. So the two of us work in tandem to make sure that we're not just looking at what our customers are concerned about in the healthcare space, but also, you know, the security and privacy um, impacts that are coming up through regulations. Well, our listeners will understand with all the hats you're wearing, why we chose you to talk to us about time management, because you've clearly got to keep a lot of balls in the air. Yeah, there are a lot of balls happening all the time. At the same time. So, um, you know, I think... I think everyone can probably do a better job with time management, and some of it has got to come down to prioritizing. I'm curious what your approach is to prioritizing work. Is it is it risk based, and or how how do you decide what's going to get your attention first as you're trying to manage the various pressures on you? So um, I think like everyone else out there, you're always worried about which ball is going to drop first, right? And I try to make sure, I don't know if I do a good job of looking at projects in terms of risk. First, I look at it in terms of price. How much is it going to be um, for us? Like if, if the ball drops, is how much is it going to cost us, right? Mm-hmm. If the ball drops, is there a law that we're going to violate or anything like that? Right. And I try to also look at, you know, in terms of contracts, all the contracts within the company come through me and my team. And so I... I look at, is that going to bring revenue for the company? And that's how I kind of look at and trying to prioritize what I'm doing every single day. I got you. So you're looking at you know either the financial benefit or the financial loss if something yeah. you know doesn't get done or something yeah, is, is dropped below. Yeah, and that's a logical way to prioritize it, I think, because that cost is going to represent in some ways the you know yeah, the risk I, and downside. So. I don't want to be you know I don't want my head to be cut off because I either cost the company money or um, costing the company money in both ways. Like we didn't close a deal because the customer didn't sign on time, or we got fined. Or we have, uh, you know, some sort of risk that might be realized because I didn't complete a compliance project on schedule. Gotcha. Wow. Once you're doing all that, I guess the other challenge with time management is how much work you are taking on. Oh, yeah. You know, how, how do you manage that? How do you avoid taking on too much work? How do you know when you've taken on too much? Well, you know, I wear a lot of hats and I recognize that I can't possibly do it all by myself right so one of the things that we're one of the things we're doing is obviously we're hiring a compliance manager to help with the compliance projects and then on the contracts manager space I'm temporarily without someone so what I've started doing is I look at my to-do list which is pretty long and I kind of try and decide like what are the things that I can possibly ask someone else to help me with so if it's a simple task of like filling in a form I will ask someone, I have a, a great finance analyst that we work with in the finance team. His name is Adam. Love Adam. He is my, <laughs> he's my guy Friday, right? So I'll ask Adam for help when it comes to filling out like simple amendments that are just, you know, can you just fill this blank in and then I'll, I'll review it later. So it's something that like he'll write and then 
I might be watching TV later and then I'll flip over my laptop and I can read it. You know, that's an easy read, right? Right. Um, when it comes to keeping me on task, I have another person I've cribbed from the IT team. He is a great project manager. His name's Joseph. And he keeps me on task. You know, we create a project plan. It might be a rough project plan of just like simple tasks that need to happen. And these are the target dates that we have on it. And I'll ask him to remind me. So that's the other thing too. And then we have like a, coming from like a project management background, uh, when I worked in a consulting company and when I worked at American Express, project management was important to everything we did. Sure. So creating that task list, prioritizing them, figuring out which ones were contingent upon other things or if we needed other people to help us, and then asking Joseph to make sure that I'm keeping on task, right? And then looking at those tasks, we have, um, we have a compliance company that we asked to help us with our compliance projects. And so I borrow people from other places where I can. Mm. Um, and it was kind of interesting because I never really thought about how much I had been doing this in the past couple of months. But then I was sitting in an ACC session this afternoon about leveraging an IT when it comes to privacy and, and security. And someone mentioned, I can't remember the name of the gentleman on the panel, and he was saying how he would leverage other groups within the company if he needed a budget. So for example, if he needed contract management software, he would go to the sales team because the sales team is the team oh, that's going to use most of it, use right? it, right? Right. Right. So now I'm like, oh, I've been doing that, but how else can I leverage that as well? So I'm going to start thinking through that, which is wow. great. Um, I guess that's a sell for ACC and this event and all the <laughs> things we're learning. Right. But yeah, it's all about looking at my task list, seeing based on the priorities I've created, is there anyone else I can ask to help with it? And then making sure that I've kind of put a time frame around when things need to happen. Um, what's the other one I use? I also use like electronic tools and checklists and various things that are either techie and not techie. So yeah. Wow. Well, I think, I mean, I really think that's creative to look outside kind of legal or even outside legal counsel and say, there may be other people in the company that have an interest in getting something done or have mm -hmm. an availability to help or an area of expertise and trying to integrate them. I think that's a very creative approach. I like, I think that's something our listeners can definitely, I, can definitely use. I hope to be more disciplined about leveraging that. Yeah. I think it's good and in one sense, right? It's a it's a cost-free way to do it because you're you're getting someone else invested that wants something done. They're helping you mm -hmm. and you're taking some stuff off your plate or sharing that responsibility. Oh yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. You mentioned electronic calendars and other stuff and I know, I mean some people like handwritten to-do lists, other people use like a Outlook calendar, other people have separate productivity apps and other stuff. What yeah. what what tools do you use? So, I when I was at Amex, I learned um, Franklin Covey. That uh -huh. was a big thing yep. there for a while. And it still works. Uh, at the beginning of the month, I kind of look at my task list of anything I haven't completed from the month before, any tasks that were on my project plan for projects that are happening. And I put them all in this long list. And then I kind of prioritize them, right? And then at the start of every morning, I try to spend like at least 20 to 30 minutes Reading quickly through, like, what are the tasks that can get done that day and prioritize those, you know, the A, B, A, B, C, yeah, prioritization, one, two, right. three, right? And try and do it that way. And then at the end of the day, 
some days you feel like you checked a lot of stuff off the list. <laughs> and then other and days. And then there are other days that other stuff was just on fire. like, what happened to my day? So, yeah, but I think that that's important. Um, one thing I've seen um, my sister does is the bullet journaling. I tried it briefly. Probably I'm not disciplined about it. But I really think that, like, that Franklin Covey approach and then kind of leveraging the flags in um, in Outlook Yeah. about, you know, the task list, which right now I looked earlier today and it's really long and very red. Right. But yeah, <laughs> but doing that, making sure that I'm kind of checking back on things so that you have do, come do, in. So you do use the Outlook task list function yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can flag, yeah. I flag things, but even if I flagged it in Outlook, I still write it on my paper thing because uh -huh. it's easy for me to flip through. Like, I mean, I have my... I carried my notebook with me on this trip because I had client calls while I was here. So I had to look through that to make sure that I haven't missed something. But yeah. And then asking other people. And then, again, asking other people to help me, help remind me about something that I might have owed them. That's another one, too. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, and delegation, you know, yeah. of that oh, yeah. reminder and trying to get cooperation is, is important, too. Yeah. I know when I, when I do some reading on time management, one enemy of time management is perfectionism, you know, the desire to get everything done right. As attorneys, it's always a little bit of a double-edged sword because sometimes things really do have to be right. You, know, you don't mm -hmm. want to violate the law. You want to make sure you're right. On the other hand, to get it really perfect, it can take so much time that you never get everything done. And you may be better off having, you know, three things almost perfect than one perfect and two left alone. How, how do you, what's your approach on perfectionism? How have you managed around that issue? Yeah, so one of the problems I had in law school was analysis paralysis, and it still carries over today. I think all most lawyers have it as well, right? So sometimes I find myself writing and rewriting something. And what I've kind of started doing is setting a time limit for how long I can spend on writing something, right? So if I've written it and I've rewritten it and I've looked at the clock and it's been 20 minutes, I got to move on and find something else. And then, you know, move on and keep going through. So typically it's with, you know, the contracts or the policies that I'm writing. Um, I only give myself a block of time to get it done. And then if I haven't finished it in that block of time or whatever I've written in that block of time, I'll have to move on to the next thing. And then I come, come back one last time and circle through. And if I need to tweak it, I tweak it. And then what I've started doing is asking again, asking for help, right? So once I've written it and I think it's good or I think it's terrible because I've now spent an hour doing it and clearly I've analyzed it way too much, I then ask someone else to kind of look over my shoulder and read it to be like, yeah, it's fine, it's perfect. Or, no, it's not fine, you missed a comma, which we all know the comma can matter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, or when I'm like, when I'm really hanging up on that stupid comma, should the comma be there? Does it really make a difference? I'll go ask someone else. Um, it's a, like the whole Ken Adams trying to write simply so that if the person I'm asking, clearly I'm the only attorney in the office, right? So the person I'm asking to read it is not an attorney, and if they can understand it, I'm just going to have to let it go. No, I think that makes sense. That's a good, those are good checks on just spending time, endless time circling over, you know, a particular. particular yeah, thing. I will say from in my work as uh, a, uh, the writing that I do for the uh, PR communications office, uh, 
that is something that I have uh, started to do during the last year. It's so funny that you mentioned it, um, which is to, before I even start writing, essentially assign how long should this take? Yeah. It, okay, it's gonna, it should take me 15 minutes to do this. And if I get to 15 minutes and I'm only halfway done, then I know, like, I, I'm spending too much time on this. I need to like either set it aside and go do something else, or like you said, and I think that's brilliant too, is to take what you have, have someone else look at it, and then come back because maybe they'll like, oh yeah, da, 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 and like oh, it, yeah. it breaks that whatever it is, that that roadblock or whatever that you're maybe spending too much time on, thinking about too much, it gets it out of the way. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just spent. We just, uh, we have a contract that we're doing right now, and the client wanted to change the deal terms, right? And I wrote what was a paragraph. That at the end of the time, I looked at this paragraph and I was like, this is just way too complicated, right? <laughs> so I deleted everything I wrote, walked away, left it. Unfortunately, I forgot it, but then someone reminded me, again, asking people to help you. And then when I went back, I wrote two sentences. I'd spent like, I think I had like 10 sentences at first. And I sent it to Adam, not a lawyer, he's a finance guy. Um, I sent it to Adam, I was like, Adam, does this make sense to you? And he was like, yeah, I know what you mean. And he, he wrote back exactly what I was trying to convey. And I was like, see now. Yep, you were able to do it in two sentences. Yeah. Yeah, and that ability to walk away and come back sounds like it was kind of key. It was really important because I mean, I had written this and rewritten it and I was like, it should only have taken me like maybe 20 minutes to do what I needed to do. I'd spent 30 and I was like, this is ridiculous. You need to move on. This is like out of my own curiosity because obviously my entire career, professional career has been writing. And so I'm always interested in uh, people's experiences with writing. Do you feel like when that was happening, you had spent a lot of time writing already that day? curious probably I've been focused on a lot of other things and this was a simple thing and I had a bigger deal to write yeah so that probably played into why like I'd been writing and writing so I probably treated this one as a huge deal and it really didn't have to be if you can get it done in two sentences and those two sentences settle everything I and I needed to walk away in order to learn that I've become a big believer in the time of day can have a pretty significant impact on your performance for tests. And, and I'm sure it's different for everyone, and maybe this isn't true for everyone, maybe everyone, other people, but I know for me, uh, the earlier part of the day uh, is a great time to like consume a lot of information. And then midday to after lunch is a great time for me to write. Around three or so until about five, I need to like get up and, and do the phone calls and that mm. kind of thing. And then evening I can write again. Yeah, so I spend my mornings consuming information. So, you know, we all have to figure out whether or not there was some legislation that was signed or some government agency did something, right? So I try and spend like my morning kind of doing that and then Typically what happens is like uh, mid-morning is when I have a lot of client calls or in internal and external client calls. And then I do spend probably late afternoon writing a lot of 
my contracts and policies and all of that. Although I have started doing is, um, in terms of like time management and getting projects done, I've started just blocking time on my calendar when I know I have to get it written, right? And so the alarm goes off and I know I have to start writing this. And the alarm goes off and I have, know I have to stop writing this. And so that kind of helps too. Sometimes though, that block of time allows me to write too much. <laughs> yeah, and you have to figure out yeah, the right amount of time yeah, to block. Exactly. I think that's interesting. This summer I read an impactful book that's called Essentialism. And basically the book argues that you need to determine what your essential purpose or goal is and rigorously eliminate all activities that are not advancing that essential goal. I don't know if you've ever heard of that I've approach never or heard have of thoughts that, of that. But that sounds brilliant and might actually help my time management better. You know, you have to figure out what must you do yourself and what can you give to someone else to get done, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that's brilliant. I might need to go buy that book. Yeah, it's a good book. No, I, I recommend it. I mean, it's not easy to implement because figuring out what really is essential versus not is yeah. you know, somewhat easy to say and harder to do. But I think if that's your task and you can define where you're going with it, it does put a lot of other stuff into shape and perspective mm -hmm. and allows you to say no to, to other things. And I do think that's one whole chapter is devoted to the importance of saying no. And I yeah. think from a time management standpoint, no is, is important. And I don't know, you know, if, if that's an area you work on, I think a lot of people struggle with, but it I, may be an I, area. I definitely struggle with that. It's hard to say no in the office. Ex yeah, well, so there's the you know the the fine line we all walk as lawyers when you're when you're in house. I try not to say no. The only time I say no is when I have to wear my compliance hat and say you know no that's that's going to violate the law and it's thankfully so rare at Burgess and in my role there that I would ever have to do that. But sometimes when when people come to me and I'm like well maybe we can't do it this way but what's your ultimate goal? How can we get around it? So I. I guess it's a way of saying no without saying no. Yeah. Um, but then there are times when people come to me with a task and I'm always trying to be helpful, right? Those are difficult times yeah. to say no. I think it's easier to say no in my personal life than it is in my business life. Yeah, no. Well, and this was this this is written about saying no in a whole variety of things. Not not necessarily no to someone that you know, a business folk person that comes with a problem, but no to, you know, to the next community engagement or no oh, yeah. to the next speaking engagement or those kind of things if it's not going to advance whatever you've decided is the most important purpose. Yeah, and I think that's hard because being engaged and having a network and connections is important. Mm -hmm. So there's value in that. But the, the test becomes, will this actually advance either my professional objectives or personal objectives? Mm -hmm. um, his argument is in the book that there are a lot of things that really don't advance either of those that are more of a societal guilt thing of, oh, well, I better say yes because it's uncomfortable to say no. And that's where he says, you know, you just need to learn to, you know, to say no, I'm sorry, I'm busy, or those kind of things. So yeah. it's, it's, again, it's one of those things that's interesting to read, makes sense in theory, maybe hard to implement in practice. Maybe hard to implement in practice. It's kind of like the, the year of saying yes, I think, also. <laughs> yes. Like, are you always saying yes to something? Should you be saying yes? But I definitely think I might be picking that book up when I leave this place. Yeah, yeah. No, it's worth thinking about. Um, I wanted to wrap up with a, a question that kind of goes to the relationship between the legal department and, and other departments. I know that, you know, sometimes 
prioritizing things and making choices is a function of autonomy. And I know different, different legal departments are structured differently where some have a lot of freedom to kind of set priorities and others are simply reporting to whoever the CEO or somebody else is setting those priorities. And I was wondering if you had tips to those counsel that may feel either less control over priorities or how, how, do, they, how do they begin to get more ownership over, over the priorities that they want to set? So I don't know if I had necessarily have tips for them. I think what works best for me is asking the person who's trying to set my priorities for me. Like, you know, like you have a list of five or ten things, right? They might be coming from different departments. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. And everyone's things are really important. So I try to express, like, what are the five things I need to get done today? And if you want to add something to that list, is it more important than all of these five things? And I try to also express who it's for, right? So if the owner of the company, if Greg comes to me with something and he said it's important and our VP of, I don't know, product management comes to me and says what he wants is important, I'm going to go, okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Greg wants this and you want that. This is for a client. This is for a vendor. I understand that what you want from the vendor is really important, but which one's going to be, I mean, the contract with the client is going to pay for the vendor. You tell me which one you want me to do first, right? Yeah. And that's kind of how I kind of balance the priorities and have them help me prioritize what's most important in that day or that week. Yeah, I think that's good advice because you're helping whoever's making that ask kind of understand some of the competing activities, but also the priorities. This is coming from our CEO, or this is required by statute, or we right. could get, yeah. you know, we could get fined for $100,000 if we don't do yeah, that. Like All of a sudden, their request for something may seem a little less important in terms of we need to get this, you know, $300 uh, purchase order approved or whatever whatever it is that yeah. that is their current hot priority. I mean, I, I, I want to make everyone, everyone is important to me. I want them to feel that. But sometimes I just can't make you my priority right this hour. But I'll definitely try and work with you to, to get your stuff done. Yeah. That sounds good. Um, I think we're nearing the end. Any final time management tips or suggestions for those, for those busy GCs? Or I think we've, or we covered it. I think it's important that you, you make the list, however you make the list, right, of whatever you want to accomplish. Whether it's like the project for the month and figuring it all out. And then looking at that list realistically about what can you get done and maybe just blocking that time. I mean, you know, the blocking of the calendar time was something I learned from an old boss. And whenever I don't do it, I realize I don't get things done. So that uh, might be a suggestion. Yeah. No, I think that's a really concrete one. I do think some people are reluctant to block because they feel like I'm not available or, you know, I, yeah. I can't do stuff. But if you don't take that control... You know, it is. It's going to be hard to be productive. You will be absorbed in whoever happens to call or knock or walk by or send an email. Right. Um, I, you you're know, going to I, be hooked, hooked I, up on. I tend to, I tend to block time on my calendar where maybe it's not specifically designated to a particular contract or client or whatever matter, and just have, you know, it's Friday morning from nine to eleven is compliance work. And that's all I'm doing, whatever it is. Um, Tuesdays, it's so funny. Our company has this unofficial, official, no meeting Tuesday afternoons. Ah. I frequently block meetings at that time. 
But if you don't block the time, your calendar is going to get filled with work, right? With yep. meetings. And then when are you going to get your work done? You're going to have to do it later, either watching TV, which you're not really watching TV because <laughs> right, your you're working. There. Right. Um, I have the benefit of my husband traveling a lot of times. So the only person I'm really bothering by the fact that I'm sitting on my computer at home or in my home office um, is the cats. They're <laughs> and they don't really care as long as they've been fed. But yeah, blocking that time so that I don't necessarily have to be working, you know, a lot. The things I'm doing later in the day are reviewing statutes or reviewing, you know, the latest email from our outside counsel about something that might be pertinent to whatever we're doing. That's great. Well, I think those are super tips. I, I appreciate it. Um, um, okay, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your wisdom on, on some of these time management tips. Thank you for the invite. I hope someone finds it helpful. I'm going to have to go home and practice more of it. Yeah, no, well, I think it's something everyone wants to improve on, but I think you've given some good concrete steps, particularly for people that just are feel, feeling overwhelmed, making that list, blocking the time, tracking the progress makes a, makes a lot of sense. So thank you. Thank you for those tips. Um, if people have questions with you or want to connect, are you on LinkedIn or what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? I am on LinkedIn. Um, it's under my name. And uh, yeah, reach out. Great. Send me a message. I'll, I'll, everyone's guilty of it. Um, I don't check my LinkedIn messages very frequently, but I will get back to you, I promise. <laughs> it sounds good. It's not the highest priority probably on your time management list. No, so you don't block no. out time for, no. for LinkedIn messages. That yeah. sounds good. All right. Well, thank you. That concludes our episode today. I want to remind our listeners you can find previous episodes of the In-House Roundhouse and subscribe to this podcast at the website WombleBondDickinson.com or go to iTunes, Google Play Store, or SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions or comments, you can share them with us on LinkedIn or Twitter or send me an email directly. I'd love to hear what you think of this show and for topics for future shows or future guests. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is the In-House Roundhouse. We'll see you at the next station. In-House Roundhouse is a production of Womble Bond Dickinson. Brian Ewing is our producer, and Robert Daughtry is our audio engineer.